Hey, it's your host, Mark Santiago. I'm excited to introduce you to the next level of this podcast, Empowered AF 2.0. 2.0. In this next stage of Empowered AF, we're going to dive deeper into what it means to be an empowered man in his most advanced form. I'm talking healthy communication, healthy lifestyle, both physically and emotionally, and evolving into the man you've always wanted to be. So stick around and join me in this episode of Empowered AF 2.0. Hey, so if you're in marriage counseling, you're trying everything to win your marriage back. You're just trying to figure stuff out and nothing seems to be working. You're doing probably the wrong thing. So that's why I created my five day challenge for men just like you who are on the cusp of separation or divorce. You're trying to figure stuff out. You don't know what to do. So look, in this five day challenge, I'm gonna help you gain clarity on what you need to be doing. I'm gonna help you understand the pain that you're in and what you need to be doing about it, how to fix that. All of this in five days for just five bucks. That's right, five day challenge five bucks. That's it. Get in. Do it now. Don't wait any longer. Get in right now. Do the work. It's easy. Every day you're going to get assignments. Every day you're going to get an action step to take so that you're moving forward and you're going to stop the paralysis that you're in right now where you don't know what to do. You're stuck. All that other stuff. It comes to an end today. Jump in right now. Five bucks. That's all it costs. Jump in today. Let's see on the other side. So the year was 1993 and my friends and I would all play ball outside for half the day. And then we'd get really tired and sweaty because I grew up in South Florida where it's fucking 98 degrees all the time uh, and the humidity factor of 120. And so we'd go inside one of our friend's houses or apartments because I lived in the kind of condo area of town. And we'd go inside the apartment and there'd be like seven or eight of us all gathered around this little 20 inch television. Maybe it was a 25, I don't know. And we would turn on the Super Nintendo. And on that Super Nintendo, the, the famous graphic of Street Fighter II would come up on the graphic and we'd be all excited. And everybody would be talking about what player they were gonna choose, what role they were gonna play. And, uh, you know, and, and, and we'd prepare to watch and we think through, okay, I wanna play this person first because I know, you know, he usually plays with this guy and I can beat this guy and here's how I'm gonna beat this guy. And, and we, we strategize over it and we kind of have these mini tournaments, right? Of the block champion. And this was probably one of my favorite games um, ever growing up as a child, I played Mario Brothers. I love Mario Brothers. Um, I played, uh, you know, I had Mortal Kombat at the time. Loved that. Uh, I would say my all-time favorite is Madden. I'm a Madden guy. Um, I love Madden. Love Call of Duty. Still play Madden to this day. Um, I've played all of them since I think 1989 or something like that. But Street Fighter II was the game uh, of the decade there, right? Of of the of that time um, where kids like could actually get together and play games instead of just like be online across the world, which, hey, that's cool. Was It's not my cup of tea. But back then, that's what we did. We all circled around and we chose our character. And my favorite character was not the Hadoukik guy. I think it was Ryu that did that. Hadoukik, whatever. Uh, my favorite guy was Blanca. Blanca was the green Brazilian dude with orange hair. Now, it's funny because I've never been that kind of guy outwardly, but I sometimes am that kind of guy inwardly, meaning you're not going to see me change my hair color to orange or something like that. I'm never going to get crazy and do some crazy things on the external side of me, but internally, I'm very fiery. I'm very uh, strong. And, and so Blanca just really resonated with me as a character. Um, I was actually doing some research for this uh, episode and, and found out that he was actually a human who crashed in Brazil and, and mutated into this green monster, if you will. And my favorite move that Blanca had 
was if you hit the buttons right, where he would start to basically create this huge electric charge in his whole body. Anybody that touched him would just be electrocuted. It would just zap all their strength. And I fucking loved doing that. I loved his, his, his punches, his kicks. He had these, he just like had this like hunched over kind of view of himself and he'd punch and kick and he'd punch and kick. And that was my favorite player. And I, I say favorite because he was the guy I resonated the most with. Not externally. Obviously, I'm not like this beast of a man. Uh, I'm not mutated in anything. I'm not green. I'm not Brazilian. But there was something about his character that resonated with me. And I, and I bet if I were to look at all my friends and which, you know, which characters they chose, it would totally make sense as to why those characters resonated with him. Well, the same thing happens in marriage. When we come into a marriage, we choose a character. We choose, choose a role to play. And I'm going to talk about some of those roles today and what psychologists deem as the drama triangle. You see, there's three parts to this triangle. There is the persecutor, there is the rescuer, and there is the victim. So I'm going to, what I want to do is I want to walk you through each of those pieces, and then I'm going to give you some examples of how those show up in a relationship or in a marriage. And whether or not you might see yourself in those characters. So what I want you to do is, is imagine yourself as one of these particular roles. So the persecutor, their biggest thing is it's all your fault. Shame is the name of their game. Men who are persecutors tend to be narcissistic because they're all about themselves. Now, it doesn't mean they're a narcissist, and I got to say this here. So a narcissist is someone who's been diagnosed as an NPD, narcissistic personality disorder. So just because you have narcissism or narcissistic tendencies or traits, such a hard word to say, doesn't mean you're actually a narcissist. All of us have traits or all of us have some sort of narcissistic tendencies because we're human, we're people, we're selfish. Okay. But true narcissists have lack of empathy. Um, they have very grandiose vision of themselves of seeing themselves as better than other people. And they can easily go into a, a dark side uh, that is irredeemable in some ways. Um, so persecutors, though, they tend to be very blame-oriented because you know, you've know you heard me say where there's shame, there's blame. They, fit, they sense a lot of shame and they blame people. They blame their wife. They blame everything else for what is going on. And you're going to see as we, as we rotate through this triangle, how each of these pieces, each of these roles play a part in the destruction of a marriage and not just a marriage. You can apply this drama triangle to any relationship. Um, I have to be cautious of myself playing these parts, even in business as CEO of my company, because you never want to bring a drama triangle into any relationship because it's unhealthy. So the persecutor focuses on fault. They focus on shaming people. They focus on blaming people. And that's their thing. The rescuer, they're all about, hey, let me help you. They're constantly intervening on the behalf of the victim. Uh, men who are rescuers tend to have a savior complex. They feel responsible for saving women. And I would say the majority of the men we work with an empowered man tend to be rescuers with a savior complex. In fact, one of our uh, worksheets early on in the program is, why are you a savior? And, and, and really diagnosing um, not, the, not the mental side of it or like a health side of it, but just understanding the behaviors and how you show up mentally in the relationship as a savior. What is that coming from? Where is that root? Because the more we can understand the root of your behavior, the more we can help you move forward. 
and create a game plan for not doing those things and, and, and having those sort of aha epiphany moments. Because many of the guys we work with, you know, they, they essentially grew up in a place where they had to rescue their mom. Uh, especially guys that were brought up in single family households. Uh, maybe, maybe there was uh, multiple men that would come through as, you know, as a young man and you see this guy come through and he hurts your mom. So you feel responsible for saving her, rescuing her. And so you create this trend in your life. And then when you go out into the, to the dating world, you tend to find yourself dating women who need quote unquote rescuing. And these, these women and I'll talk about the victim in a sense in a second, but these, these women, they tend to pull on that from you from an, from an emotional standpoint, and it makes you feel good, right? What's making you feel good is the ego, the ego that comes in the, in, into this situation. Remember we talked about a couple of weeks ago and that ego that makes me want to save because that saving makes me feel like I'm more important than I really am. It's a very interesting dichotomy. And then the victim says, poor me. They're constantly feeling victimized by the persecutor. They don't take responsibility for their circumstances and they feel powerless to change their life. There are many, many men who are victims and they come into relationships as victims. Um, I wouldn't say I came into my relationship as a victim. I came into the relationship more as a rescuer, but I often, often, often played the victim part. And I'm going to roll through um, when I get done with sort of this overview, I'm going to roll through examples so that you guys can see practically how this is showing up in your marriage from the past, how it's currently showing up and how to really protect yourself from it showing up in the future by not playing the game. So the victim is like, poor me. I feel victimized constantly by the persecutor. And that means that every time the persecutor says it's your fault, says this is what's going on, then you tend to feel like a victim. You feel powerless. You don't feel like you can change anything. And a lot of guys come into Empowered Man, into our group or, or our podcast, whatever, and they feel like victims. Some guys are good with that. Some guys, like, they thrive on that. They're like, yeah, I'm good. I'm a victim. She fucked me over. She screwed me up. She fucked somebody that I know. She, she did this. She did that. She, 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 she. You know, they're constantly hitting what we call the she button. And those victims essentially have zero power over their life and they are disempowered in what they do. That's why we call our company Empowered Man, because we empower disempowered men. We help them get their power back. And, and, and we don't say it from a toxic masculinity standpoint, but their own personal power of boundaries, not being manipulated, not being walked all over. And then for those that are the opposite, we help them get their true power back not walking in, in persecution or not walking in, in toxic masculinity, but walking in a healthy masculinity. So let's roll through a couple of examples of what this might look like in your day-to-day. So let's say example one, wife had a bad day at work and she comes home and she's playing the victim. Oh, honey, I had such a bad day at work. My supervisor's such a jerk. She keeps making me work overtime. And I just, I'm so frustrated. And all the girls at work think that, you know what? We should all go to HR and talk about her to the HR people. And we should tell them how mean of a boss she is and all of this. And you as the, the good loving husband, who's a rescuer, you're like, well, dude, why don't you just quit your job? You don't like working there anyways. 
and and your mindset, you're thinking, well, just duh, so just fix the, just fix it, just fix it, just fix it, right? Like when women come to us as men, we don't want to empathize with them. We don't want to go, oh, honey, so sorry you're going through that. We, we don't even know how to do that because we weren't raised that way. We weren't born that way. Our brains don't really think that way. So it takes us having to learn a whole new way of communicating to where instead of trying to use rescuer language, we use powerful, empowered language. So let's keep going through this, this situation here. So essentially, she's the victim. She's had a bad day at work. She feels like it's the circumstance or external people, her boss, is causing her to feel this way. And the rescuer in you is saying, oh, I don't want my wife to feel this way. So I must take ownership of her feelings. And that's not healthy. Her feelings belong to her. They don't belong to you. And so by you trying to take them on, by you trying to step in and taking over her feelings, you become the rescuer. And you think, well, by rescuing her, I'm making her not feel as much. But what you're doing is you're actually disempowering her. And you're not allowing her to be strong in her own way. Can you see how this would be a problem? Like we're going to continue going through this circumstance, this situation, but you can, can you see how toxic this little simple situation becomes when you explode it out over years, when you explode it out over months, years, decades of a relationship where she's showing up as the victim, you're showing up as the rescuer. You're constantly taking her power away. You're not allowing her to feel what she feels. And you were telling her, I'm going to be your daddy. I'm going to be your father. And we see this a lot in what I call the father-daughter dynamic in dysfunctional and toxic marriages. Um, I see this specifically with very successful men. Um, this was me. This role here, I was the rescuer. When I came into my marriage, I was the rescuer. I married a woman who emotionally was not at the same level as me. And it made it just filled my ego. It filled, 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 filled my ego. Made me feel special because somebody would count on me. I was standing up for her. I even had to rescue her from her hometown, her parents, her dad, all these people, because that made me feel so good. It validated me as a man. So when you think about this, if you're playing this role or if you have played this role, what you're ultimately doing is looking for validation as a man through your wife's actions, through her being a victim. So this thing doesn't just go away. It continues. It festers. It stays. So she's coming to you and saying, I had a bad day at work. My supervisor is a jerk. Keeps making work overtime, blah, blah, blah. And you're seeing it as, oh, she's a victim who needs rescuing. And the reason I put her in the victim role is because she's blaming the situation. She's poor me. She's not taking responsibility for anything. Now, ultimately, what she's trying to do is vent, and we're not hearing her correctly. So here's what I want to do now is I want to show you the shift. Actually, no. Before I show you the shift, I want to, I want to redo this story, and I want to tell it from more of a healthy perspective. So your wife comes home. She says, I had a bad day at work, and I just... My, my supervisor is just so mean and, you know, she just, just keeps making me work overtime. And all you have to do is just listen to her and acknowledge what she just said. Oh, honey, I'm sorry that you feel that way. I'm sorry that that's happening. How can I support you? 
or that sounds really tough. Tell me more. Honey, that's really tough. Tell me more. What else did she do? Oh, wow. Okay. And you're just hearing her. You're not fixing her. You're not telling, hey, suck it up, buttercup. You're being such a little bitch. No, you're just being a victim, right? Like men talk to each other like that. We talk to men. Sometimes we talk to men like that. Dude, you're being a bitch right now. Stop it, right? You should never, ever talk to your wife that way. If you talk to your wife that way, you, you will be in a heap of trouble uh, with her for sure. Or she'll eventually uh, ghost your ass and leave you. So essentially, instead of trying to fix the, the fix the thing, we need to hear her. My number one goal is when she's telling me these things is not to fix, but to make her feel heard and understood. Now, sometimes it is appropriate, you know, like, let's say, for example, you do have a solution. So you might want to say to her, oh, honey, I'm so sorry that you're going through that. What does support look like for you right now? That's a line I got from Joey Wilder, one of my lead coaches. I love that line. What does support look like for you right now? Or how can I help you in this? Or how can I support you, not help? How can I support you in this? Support is way better. It's a way nicer uh, word than help because support says I'm coming alongside. Help means I need to rescue you. So don't use the word help. How can I support you in this? And she might share, well, I don't really know. I just, I'm just so frustrated. Yeah, it's tough. I hear you. And that's it. You don't have to fix it. And some of you are going, oh my gosh, how do I learn to do that? Well, that's why we have our Thrive program, because that's exactly what we do in there. We literally help you communicate and emotionally connect with your wife on a deeper level. This stuff is not easy. It's easy, but it's not easy. It's easy to understand conceptually, not easy to implement. And that's what we help men do is we help you implement. We literally have you video conversations of your, for yourself, not of your wife, but video yourself speaking and, re and receiving and et cetera, and help you get practice on how to respond this way so that you're not responding as a rescuer, but you're responding as an empowered man. All right, so watch what happens. We'll go back to this scenario here and we're gonna shift it now. And instead of, you know, instead of you being healthy, you went unhealthy, right? So you say, why don't you just quit your job? You don't like working there anyways. So now the shift happens, your wife goes from victim to persecutor. And here's what she says. How come every time I have an issue or just want to share something with you, you don't listen. You just try to fix me. I think you need to get therapist. So you can learn how to listen to your wife. Whoo. She just threw out the therapist word. Yup. And guys, by the way, this is real life stuff. This, this actually happens. These conversations actually do happen just the way they're happening right now. So she went from being a victim, poor me, poor me, poor me to persecutor like that. Like it happened really fast because her response was to your response. So she has, you know, she is here. She says her thing. You then respond in your unhealthy way. And that triggers her unhealthy response to now go into persecution mode. So her persecution mode says, you don't, you don't listen to your wife, whatever, blah, 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 blah. You're now offended. You're like, what the fuck? You come to me with a problem and I was just trying to help you. Fine. Keep working, on, keep working there and just keep complaining. You're, you're offended now. You're like, what the fuck? So now you're the victim. 
So you see how this shift happens immediately where it's like you guys are going in circles in this triangle where she starts out as a victim, then it's then you become the rescuer and or you're the rescuer and then she becomes the persecutor and you become the victim. So you went from rescuer to victim just like that. She went from victim to persecutor just like that because that's how fast these situations can handle. Now, from the victim, she can then you know, feel sorry. She could go to rescuer. She could stay in persecutor. She could go to victim herself, right? They, they all kind of go around in circles and it just becomes this toxic mishmash of bullshit. So how would a better response? Let's say you did try to fix her and then she gets mad and she's like, I need you to go, you, you know, I think you should go to a therapist. That's where you have to use the four C's of communication. Uh, go look it up in the podcast of just being like calm, cool, collected, and clear, right? Where you have to just like, dude, um, um, I'm not going to allow myself to get upset because she just used a persecutory statement at me. She felt shame, so she blamed me. She came at me with something and is now accusing me, basically fixing, which I was, right? But this accusation, and instead of feeling offended, what if I slowed down this is what we teach, brevity, we slow everything down, breathing, we slow everything down. And our response then goes, honey, you're right. I was trying to fix you. Power triangle. <laughs> and moving forward, I won't do that again. Um, I know that it's important and for you to feel valued and heard, heard and understood. And I didn't do that. So can we have this conversation again? And I want to listen to you. That is way more powerful than you getting all, <laughs> well, what do you mean I got to go to therapy? What the fuck's wrong with you? You need to go to therapy. Fuck you, blah, 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 blah. And some of you are chuckling because you've had these conversations literally. And others of you are going, huh, I never thought of it that way. I never saw it happening that way. Because all these things are happening in the details. Everything is happening in the details. Because most of you are just living life. You're just fucking living life. You're not, and you're not even living life. Actually, you're just existing in life. Living life is actually, you're not living life. You are existing in life. You're not paying attention to the finer details. You're not paying attention to what your wife has been saying. That's why after two years of her saying, we should go to therapy, we should go to therapy. We don't need therapy because of your status of not wanting to be embarrassed by going to the pastor or by your, you know, your issues of abandonment or whatever. You, you don't want to go to, you don't want to go to therapy. You don't want to look like a weakling and go to therapy and talk about your problems and look where you're at now. Look at where that has gotten you now. That's why I laugh when a guy reaches out to us and we're like, Hey, what do you need help with? Well, I don't really know. It's like, well, what do you really need help with? Okay. Well, I, you know, I probably should be a better communicator, but I'm going to therapy now. I'm like, okay, you're going to therapy. What are you getting out of therapy? Well, not really much. Why the fuck are you going to therapy? Because that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to go to therapy. Are you though? Are you though? Now, look, I'm not, a, I don't, I'm not a basher of therapy. I think therapy has its place. But most of the time, guys don't need therapy when their wives leave them. They need to fucking move forward. Therapy is all about rehashing shit from the past, getting dealt with mental diagnosis, get you on some, some drugs, you know, get you a psychiatrist, get you some antidepressant medicine, all that stuff. But all that stuff can go away without needing medicine, without needing those things, when you actually create a clear path to move forward. The reason you're stuck, being stuck does not go, oh, uh, you know, I, I'm stuck. So therefore I've just got to go backwards. Imagine like getting your truck stuck in the mud, right? And your wheels are just spinning. Your wheels are just spinning. Your wheels are just spinning. 
You can't go backwards to get out. You have to go forward. Now it depends on the, the line and all these things, but like, but that's what you're trying to do. It's like, well, I'm just trying to go back to where I came from. And there's all this mud behind you, dude, all that mud behind you is not going to help you right now. You need to get out of the mud pile first. Then you can look back at what you came out of and recognize how to not do that again in the future. Right. But you got to get out of the mud first. You've got to get onto concrete, hard land. That happens through coaching. That happens through our Thrive program. We're, we're, we're not therapizing you, but we're coaching you to the next level. And when you get to that dry, hard ground, a lot of times guys will be in coaching and then go back to therapy when they're ready for it. But a lot of you won't get shit out of therapy because you don't even know what the fuck you feel. You don't even know how to articulate what you feel. When guys go through our Thrive program, they get to the end and they're like, shit, I can actually articulate what I feel. They can go to therapy and actually get value out of it. Right. We have marriage therapists that'll say that too. They'll be like, man, you know, you, you're night and day from the time you showed up to, to now, what, what happened? And like, well, I went through this thrive program and they're like, well, it helped you communicate. It helped you articulate. And it made marriage counseling actually fucking work. Cause marriage counseling 98% of the time doesn't work in my opinion. I don't have the stats to break it up, but most of the time it just leads you fat. It just gets you faster, closer to divorce because you're just rehashing the same shit. You're going backwards. You're constantly going backwards. You're not doing anything to move forward. And it's just frustrating. I've been through multiple. Uh, I went through multiple marriage counseling sessions with multiple marriage counselors and all did the same thing, moving you backwards, moving back. Let's, ha- let's rehash what happened last week. Yeah, let's rehash what happened last week. Yeah, so my wife can be more angry again so we can just not talk again so we can just have more heightened fights. It's just bullshit. Instead of like learning how to actually communicate and learning how to move forward, doing the work on you and you won't have to do as much work on the marriage. Uh, one of our, our, our in-house therapists who acts as a coach in our program, Misty McIntyre, says it all the time. She's like, if more people would just focus on doing the work in themselves, the less they would need to do in, in marriage counseling. Because the marriage counseling is just there to help them kind of work through certain things. But you can't do that if you got two toxic people. You know, Mark, I'm working on myself. Are you though? Are you going to the gym is not working on yourself. Going to the gym is, is great. I, I go to the gym three times a week. It's a good thing, but that's not working on yourself. That's like bare maintenance. That's like, that's like getting an oil change every 3000 miles ago. I'll get an oil change. Are you taking care of your car? Yeah, I get an oil change. <laughs> you put gas in it. Well, not really. <laughs> well, how are you, how are you taking care of your car? You know, it's like, it's the same type of mentality. So imagine if you did that instead of, you know, just getting all offended, it'd be completely different. Let me give you one more example. Dishes in the sink. Here's an easy one, right? Dishes in the sink. So the wife is going to be the persecutor. And she comes out and you're playing video games. And she says, why didn't you do the dishes? You're like, wait, hold, hold on. Let me, let me pause the game here. Well, hold on. Hold on a second. Game keeps going. Game keeps going. Hold on. Honey. I want to hear you a second. Uh, uh, I, it's just live right now. And I'm guys, Hey guys, Hey guys, uh, uh, I need a, I need a, I'm going to hide somewhere real quick. My wife wants to talk to me. Uh, hold on a second. All right, honey, what'd you say about the, doing the dishes? I didn't know I was supposed to do them. Yeah, I just figured they'd get done. She's like, say what? <laughs> Her accusatory tone then makes you go like, well, I didn't know I was supposed to do them. I just figured they would eventually get done. Now you're the victim. So she's the persecutor. You're the victim. It's easy. It's so fast how these things happen. Right. Because you didn't hear her. You didn't hear, you didn't hear what she's actually saying. She's not actually saying, why didn't you do the dishes? What she's saying is, why don't you value me enough to serve me when I do so much for you in this family? That's what she's actually saying. 
She's not saying, why didn't you do the dishes? She's saying, why don't you value me enough to serve me for, for as, with as much as I do for this family? Why can't you value me enough? Show me you care by doing the dishes. Why can't you show me you care? And that's what she's saying. She's not literally asking, why don't you do the dishes? The dishes are stupid. The dishes are not the issue. That's why we say it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little things that spoil the, the, the marriage. It's not the big things. It never is the big things. Yeah, cheating's a big thing, but it's not the big thing. That is usually a symptom of something different going on. So you're victim. Well, I didn't know I was supposed to do them. Now you're all offended. So then you become the persecutor. You say, well, because you felt shame, you shift into persecuting mode. You start questioning why she assumes that you're supposed to do the dishes. Why couldn't she just do them? Well, you saw them. You saw them before I saw them. Why didn't you just do them? Why didn't you just do them? So now you're persecuting her. And then she comes back. That's all you see me as? You don't see me as your wife? You see me as the woman who cooks and cleans around here. You don't really love me. Hmm. So guys, which role are you playing? Are you playing the victim? Are you playing the persecutor? Are you playing the rescuer? Like I said, I know most guys come to Empowered Man playing the victim. They're, 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 they're out here hitting the she button. She, 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 she. All this she stuff. Because they don't know what to do. They don't know who to blame. They don't know who to talk to. They just blame, they just blame, they just blame. And that's not going to get you anywhere. You got to stop playing the game. You've got to stop playing the game. You stop playing the game by learning how to communicate, how to articulate what you feel, how to even understand what you feel. You, you stop playing the game when you become healthy. And that's my issue with so many men. You come in and, and you start talking a big game like, oh, yeah, I'm going to counseling, I'm talking to my pastor, I'm doing all this stuff. And I'm like, well, why are you talking to us then? Well, you know, I just wanted to see if you guys had any tips, tricks, how to make her come back to me, how to make her talk to me. That's because marketers are out there telling you, oh, if you just do these three things, she's going to come back to you. And if you'll notice, that's not what we do. Hey, if you want to save your marriage, we'll teach you how to do it, but it's not going to be what you think it is. It's not going to be, okay, send her this text and then wait three minutes. And when she responds, send this thing and then do this and then lean out and then ghost her and then come back and, 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 and then uh, send her these flowers. And then when she's near you, touch her back. And, and that, like, like all of that is manipulation. Your wife doesn't need to be manipulated. What she needs is a strong fucking leader as a husband. She needs a man who learns how to own his shit, stops playing the victim card and hitting the she button, learns how to lead, learns how to communicate and set boundaries for himself and for her, because you need boundaries. Any healthy relationship needs boundaries. It doesn't matter whether you're in toxic communication or not. You need boundaries. Boundaries say, this is okay. This is not okay. This is okay. This is not okay. And without those things, all whatever is, is off. In these situations, you could easily set a boundary for yourself and say, I am not going to be a victim. Even if my wife is a persecutor, I refuse to be a victim. That's a boundary for myself. That's a boundary for myself. I will not be a victim. That's how you stop playing the game. 
And you can set a boundary for the two of you. You, you could communicate about it. Hey, honey, I'm noticing this pattern is happening in our relationship. And I want to own my part of it and say, I'm no longer going to play the victim, the persecutor, the rescuer. I would like you on board with this. Let's chat about what this looks like so that we're, we're both coming at it from a healthy place. How do you feel about that? And she's like, oh, no, fuck that shit. Uh, I'm not going to communicate like a therapist. I don't want you talking to me like that. Okay, honey, I hear you. I respect your opinion. Thank you. Walk away. Fucking walk away. Don't argue about it. Don't worry. Because now you're in victim mode. Now you're persecuting. Now you're in rescue mode. You're playing the drama triangle instead of walking away and saying, okay, I honor your opinion. I respect your opinion. And, and just leave. Leave the conversation. Don't play the game. Stop playing the game and you will go much, much further in marriage, life, relationships, period. Welcome to the Bourbon Moment. Join your host, M. Sizzle, J-Dub, and Mandrew as they sip on some bourbon and spit some truth. Welcome to the Bourbon Moment. There's one thing I wanted to touch on. You had mentioned like, as you get to know someone for a longer amount of time, it's that short-term attraction versus like, or short-term lust versus yeah. long-term attraction. Um, and it's crazy because I've recognized that because I have many friends who are women that are platonic friends of mine that I could never see myself dating. And there was one that I'll share this brief story where she was an attorney interestingly enough, I knew her through law school and she was one of the members at a gym that I was at. And we had this great friendship. And while we were friends, like building our friendship, I was like, man, I have no attraction to this woman at all. Like not attracted to like the type of body she has not attracted to like how she is. Cause did she was, she was kind of rude to people, but I perceived her rudeness what I would now perceive then as rudeness. Now I perceive that as she has really strong boundaries with people and that's attractive as fuck. That really is. Um, and in the long term, man, we ended up like having an attraction towards each other and had like gotten to know each other intimately. And then she came to me and meaning we got together, we went on a trip together. When she graduated, I was at her graduation, like her swearing in ceremony. I was inside the courthouse I was allowed to go where the judge goes. They let me go. I was the only one who was not an attorney or a Juris doctor. And they let me go back there. So it was an important day for her. We went to go celebrate. And while we were celebrating, um, we came back and as we're driving back from where we were, and I want to be like very cautious on the details I share here. We were in another country. I'll say that we were coming back to California and, uh, she turns to me as we're coming back. And I remember this hurt so much. She turns to me and she was like, hey, Joey. And I was like, yeah. And I'm like driving back on cloud nine. I'm like, wow, that was unexpected. There's a lot of passion there. What's going to happen from here? Because this is someone that's like a, a good friend of mine. And she turns to me and she was like, to be honest, because I want to be honest with you. I was just looking for someone to scratch the itch and it felt really good with you, but I'm not looking for that long term. And dude, I was, sitting there, I was like, Joey got used for your body. Joey. <laughs> Man. And I remember I just sat there and I grabbed my heart and I was like, oh, 
And she was like, I hope that's okay to say, like, I feel comfortable sharing that with you. And I was like, man, full circle, right? I looked at her and I was like, full circle, right? And she was like, yeah, I don't know. That's what she wow. says. Yeah, I don't know. And I looked at her and I was like, well, at least you're honest. And she was like, yeah, of course. Like, I, I really enjoyed our time together. Um, I just wanted to be transparent with you where I was at. That won't ever happen again. She said that won't ever happen again. Yeah, she said that won't ever happen again. And I was like, all right, I respect you for that. And I was like, okay, so uh, I'm going to be honest. When I drop you off, I'm going to go home and I'm going to go out tonight then. And she was like, oh, yeah, for sure. Do your thing. I'm actually going to go grab coffee with someone that's been trying to connect with me. And I was like, all right, have have a good night. And she was like, yeah, I had a great time. You know, thanks for taking me away and, you know, whisking me off my feet. Um, yeah, it's a wild experience. But with that, with time, when you get to know someone more in depth, like they become more attractive. And yeah. I mean, intellect and someone that has drive towards things. Um, I'll also add on to that. I'm not attracted to other women that are entrepreneurs. It's just not something that attracts me at all. I don't want that relatability with someone. And I've had my experience that shows me why, because mm -hmm. I'm not looking to give someone advice on their business. <laughs> I'm not looking to build your fucking email automation and shit like well, that. Preach. Like, yeah, dude, it fucking drives me crazy. Wait, like, I just I gotta say it. this though. I just gotta say this. If that girl said to me, I, you know, you just scratched the bitch. I'd have been like, I'll scratch that itch anytime you want, bitch. <laughs> you let me know. I'll be at that door. Hey, I'm here. To you know what? And a part of me thought, like, maybe this is her segue to, like, am I able to call you? Like, because right. I've had friends, dude, I've had friends like friends that, benefits. That, yeah. that have literally called me and, like, had that conversation, like, hey, I feel safe with you. I know that you're safe and you're protected. Uh, this is kind of the phase of life I'm in, and this is what I'm looking for. And I'm just like, you live in the same building that I do. It makes it really like I'll tell that story later on where like what I think when people are transparent with where they are at, it goes so much further, such as like if you're just looking to scratch an itch and be transparent with that, like tell the right. person you're talking to because it's received so much better when you're transparent rather than down the line when you're just kind of like ghosting someone because that sucks. Well, this goes back to the dating thing we were talking about earlier. Right. It's like when you're when you're going on the dating scene, I always tell the guys, you know, if you're new to the dating scene specifically, like you probably shouldn't be looking for a relationship. And it doesn't mean you can't date. What it means is like you guard your heart and you be careful because you don't know until you get in that relationship whether or not you're actually ready. Um, and it's like it's it's dangerous because if you still haven't healed from the breakup or if you haven't healed from your past relationships, you'll bring that shit into your other into your other life. Yeah. I'm several years past that and I still have sometimes things or triggers or emotions like, oh shit, that was from my past marriage. That's not my current marriage. I have to like wake up and then we have these transparent conversations about it. But it's imperative that if you're going to date, that you be upfront. Like I would say that on every single, and it's hard as a guy because then it makes it sound like you want to hit it and quit it. But I, I was like, look, I'm, I'd say I'm like, I'm looking for fun. And I had to like change my words. I'm like, I'm not looking for a one night stand. I'm just looking to casually go out on dinner dates meet people, talk to women, uh, enjoy, you know, life, if you will. And, and that's really like, if you're like first starting to go date, like just do that. Just like have conversations, just have dinner, no attachment. Try to stay away from having sex in the beginning only because that shit gets messy 
Um, because especially like women, especially women that have been like recently divorced or in the middle of their own divorce. And then like, you're in your own divorce and you're kind of bringing that shit together. Oh, it's dangerous. All the trauma bond. Yeah. Well, it is because it creates codependency Mm -hmm. where it's like, you're both just scratching your own itches together in Mm -hmm. a dangerous kind of unhealthy way. So, you know, not the bourbon moment supposed to be a teaching moment, but it really, it's, it's, it's a good thought. Yeah. It is. It really is. I mean, when guys reapproach date dating, it's really easy to get lost in the getting your ego stroked. And I mean your ego specifically, guys that are listening. Like it feels good when you're like, oh man, you're listening to me. You're communicating with me. You hear what I'm saying. What feels good for her may be your way of manipulating someone to connect with you in that way because you're not being transparent with where you're at. I think it's, e- it's easier for someone to not share where they're actually at. And I think approaching it with the dialogue of where you're actually at, like if I was to share with someone right now, look, I'm not in a place to where I can date. I have a lot on my plate mentally and emotionally, but what I'm looking for is connection. I'm looking to have someone to chat with, not to vent to, but to have open conversation. I feel like I'm a pretty interesting person to chat with. If you give me 10 minutes, I'll share some fun stories with you. But I also want someone to meet me on that level. Like I hate guiding conversations. That's a huge indicator for me that it's not going to last with someone if I guide the conversation. Well, let's save that for another time because I think what we should do is talk specifically. It sounds like dating is a topic that we should talk about, but specifically getting back in the game and, and values around a relationship. Um, you know, Andrew's kind of back in the game right now. Um, Joey and I are kind of not in the game. I'm definitely not in the game. I am taking <laughs> I'm Joey's not. on a hiatus for now. Uh, so we're all kind of in different spots. So it'd be interesting to, to talk about this on a future uh, bourbon moment. So, um, yeah. but uh, I think we're, we're good for today. Guys, thank you for joining us on this bourbon moment. Sweet. This was a good one. This was a good one. Thanks for joining us on the Bourbon Moment. This is your host, M. Sizzle. I've got Mandrew and I got J Dub. And we are out. We'll see you next week. Hey, thanks again for joining us on this episode of Empowered AF 2.0. If you're new here, thanks for checking out this episode. And I encourage you to take a visit back to the first episodes in this podcast. Look, we have over 50 episodes on the foundations of how to be an empowered man. I'm talking about in your relationship with your wife, your kids, your work, your boss, whoever and whomever. And I highly suggest you take some time to listen and gain some insight and knowledge from those episodes. And hey, if you want to connect with me deeper, be sure to check out the Empowered Man group. That's empoweredman.co slash group empoweredman.co slash group for latest information and to join our group of other men who are wanting to be empowered just like you. Until then, this is Mark signing off, Empowered AF 2.0.